Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. I can't help. I can't help but get excited when you think about what Jesus did for us. Man, we serve a risen King. He is Lord over all. Let's just give God some praise right now because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of all the praise we could ever give, all the songs we could ever sing. Oh, God, you're worthy. Now, Holy Spirit, have your way here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you show up and continue to show up. Show up in your servant. Lord, speak through me. Glorify your name in me that I might convey your word to your people. And Lord, I pray, Father, that we are changed. Oh God, open hearts right now to this word. Open hearts right now so we can be changed. Lord, your word is powerful. It's alive and active. It separates bone from marrow, soul from spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you do your work. Let it be a scalpel to the sin in our life. Let it be a scalpel to the things that don't look like you. And Lord, let us walk out of here with your glory in mind and your kingdom at hand. Oh God, I pray. Oh God, I pray. Have your way, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted to say this to someone today. This, this thought has just been going through my head all morning, and I think someone needs to hear it. But I feel like there's someone here or, or going to watch online that they, they, they feel like God's not moving in their life. They feel like God's not doing anything. And this thought was going through my head a lot. So I'm going to get a little scientific on you to show you the power of God for a moment. But the earth spins at a miraculous 1,000 miles per hour. I don't know if you knew that, but the earth's rotation is 1,000 miles per hour. But guess what? You feel like you're not moving. And did you know that the earth rotates around the sun at an astounding 67,000 miles per hour? And yet we feel like we're not moving. And what I'm getting at is the same God that put the earth in motion. The same God that put the earth in motion around the sun that's keeping it in motion is the same God that's moving in your life. And you might not see it or feel it, but rest assured that he is moving. He is moving. You don't feel the rotation of the earth. You see its effects. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. You don't feel the earth rotating around the sun, but you feel its effects. Seasons change. And the same is true with God in your life. You might not see him moving, but you will feel the effects of him moving. So rest assured, God's moving in your life. 
He is moving in your situation. With that said, I'm going to tell you a story about Timmy and his teacher. I've shared this with a handful of people, but I'm going to share it again because it's funny. But Timmy was in school, and his teacher was teaching them about the anatomy of wells and large fish. And he, he took and uh, she said, now class, you might have heard the story of Jonah and the well. And, but it's actually impossible for a large fish or a well to actually swallow a human being because their mouths are big enough, but their throats are too small to swallow a human being whole. And Timmy, being a, um, a churchgoer, never missed a day in Sunday school, says, well, well, Miss Teacher, the Bible says that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. And I don't know if it's a well, but it could have been. I don't know. But that's what the Bible says. And she goes, well, listen, Timmy, we know through scientific data, which obviously is never wrong, hope you heard that sarcasm that we know that a well couldn't do this and he said well miss teacher with all due respect the bible says that it happened and he's like no timmy listen i'm telling you that it couldn't have happened and he goes fine <clears throat> when i get to heaven I'm just going to ask Jonah if he got swallowed by a big fish. And the teacher goes, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? And he stopped for a second and said, well, Miss Teacher, I guess you can ask him. <laughs> oh, that wasn't nice. I will tell you, out of the mouths of babes, come all sorts of truth. The other day I was bringing Sky to church and everything and there's this song called Crushing Snakes. It's her favorite song. It's about Psalm 91 really and uh, she loves it and I'm singing along and she says Dad, stop singing. You sound awful. She's like, Pastor Ben, he sounds really good because he practices but you are just a bad singer. I said, I'm glad God doesn't feel that way. She's like, and she said, she said, well, God might not mind your singing, but I don't like it. I'm like, I'm like, so I just came in here and cried instead of prayed. We're continuing in our series called Jonah, and we're wrapping it up. And I got to tell you, I love the fact that I'm surrounded on staff by such amazingly talented people and now I have to follow Pastor Nathan bringing the word last week. And he did such a powerful and anointed job. And we're, we're looking in Jonah chapter 4. And this is the after effects of the message that he preached. Those eight words that he, pre he preached. He said, in 40 days, destruction's coming. There was no hope. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Um, but we're going to start in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, and then we'll launch into Jonah chapter 4, because I want you to see why Jonah is bent out of shape in chapter 4. It says, when God saw that, that what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, 
he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So, if you recall, Jonah preached. The king even heard about it, took off his royal garments, put on sackcloth, set in ashes. He humbled himself and repented. And God didn't, get this, God did not change his mind until the leader changed his ways. Man, if there, there is in the kingdom a hierarchy, and if you can't submit under something that God's put over you, God's never going to put you over anything. But because the king repented, he ordered everyone to repent. And then God changed his mind. And then we launch in, and th that, that was the overflow. We launch into chapter 4. Let's look at it real quick. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So Jonah's going through the city for three days, preaching. Destruction's coming in 40 days. A message of no hope. But let me tell you, when you have a repentant heart, it gets God's attention. But this upset Jonah very much. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. And a lot of times we think that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was scared or he didn't like it. But the real reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh is right here. It's because he knew God would forgive him. And he didn't think they were worthy of God's forgiveness. It says this, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And get this, get this. If you're feeling condemned, if you're feeling that, any any condemnation, if you're feeling any amount of like, how can God love me? Whatever it is, I want you to see the character of God. He says, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. Oh, man. He's eager. That means he wants to turn back. He, he's just, he's a compassionate God. He is merciful. Oh, man. That's why he didn't want to go. He knew. He knew God's character. Jonah got mad at God for being God. Jonah got mad at God for being God, acting like God. That, that we laugh, but how often do we do the same thing? And he says, sorry, I just slipped that in there real quick. We're moving on. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Jonah's a little salty. He's a little angry. He's a little unforgiving. He's a little bitter, or a lot bitter. The Lord replied, I love this. I love it. Is it right for you to be angry about this? I see a father, like Jonah, I think the book of Jonah is a father's letter, a love letter. 
It shows the Father's heart wholly and completely to people and his children. And here we get to see him be a father to the Ninevites. And now we get to see him be a father to Jonah. And he comes and he says, Is it right for you to be angry about this? It's not like, I used to read this before I had kids with a kind of like an angry, like, God, is it right for you to be angry about this, Jonah? But God's more mature than I am, infinitely. And after kids, I, I, see, I see it completely different. I see a father's heart looking down at Jonah saying, hey, buddy, is it really right for you to be angry about what I just did? Is it? Let's, let's move on. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what the Lord, <laughs> waited to see what would happen to the city. He's still hoping. He's still holding out hope. Like, oh, come on. God might still just, just destroy part of the city. Come on. Sh- give me a show, God. They deserve it. And the Lord, the Lord God, being a loving father, arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort. Even in his bitterness, God was loving him. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But the Lord, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning, so God made a plant grow miraculously to give shelter. And then he made a worm show up the next morning and ate through the stem of the plant, and it withered away. As the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. Like, this is still a loving father, guys. This is not God being sadistic. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. God didn't tell him he had to stay there either. He stayed there in bitterness. It's amazing what bitterness will do and unforgiveness. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Jonah, being a child, said, yes! He retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though it did nothing, uh, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And that's it. That's the story. That's Jonah. And today, today we're going to talk about some heavy stuff. But we're going to look at it through the lens of a father talking with children. And I want to ask you one question. Is it right for you to be angry about this? Now this can be anything. This can be anything. The title of my message today is God Questions You. And the one thought I want to give you today 
is God will always question. God will always question our heart when it doesn't look like his. The whole reason God questioned Jonah was because he did not look like God's heart. He was a prophet of God. He was called of God. He was a follower of God, but his heart did not look like God's heart. God has a heart for people. And I think sometimes we forget that God loves people. Even people that hurt us. Even people that do wrong against us. Even people that make bad decisions. Even people that take advantage of us. Even people that do not have your best interest at heart. God has a heart for them. And here's the kicker with this whole thing. The Ninevites, Nineveh was the Assyrian capital, the Assyrian empire. The Assyrians were literal terrorists. They were literal terrorists to the Israelites. They would come in and like Nathan pointed out, like they would fillet people and put them on display in their city. And I'm sure they did that to some of the Israelites. They would come in, they would burn their fields, they would capture their stuff, they would, they would kill their people. And God showed mercy on them. And that's the kicker. That's the kicker about the whole thing. Jonah had every right to feel the way he did, according to human logic. He was justified because these were wicked people. These were wicked people. But God has a heart for wicked people, too. And I want to give you just a thought, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. There's a 99.9% .9 chance if you're taking notes that you're going to end up in heaven. I'm not saying if you're not. But statistically... They said that people that take notes actually remember about 80% of the message, and people that don't take notes only remember about 35% of the message. And I'm not making that up. But go to the next slide real quick. Bitterness and unforgiveness will always recruit enough information to keep you in deception and bondage, and it will feel like reason. If you're bitter and you're unforgiving, you probably have a good reason for it. Jonah did a really good reason. The, the Assyrians and the Ninevites were awful people. Awful. But bitterness and unforgiveness will always recruit enough information to keep you in deception and bondage. And it will feel like reason. And God doesn't want you to live in bondage. The, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Bible also tells us if we can't forgive, we can't be forgiven. And the Bible also speaks to the fact that we cannot let any bitter root grow up in us. And there are people in this room, and there's people watching online, that are still dealing with things from years ago or recent past that you haven't forgiven and that you're still bitter about. Like, if you, if you start talking about it, you just... Oh. 
You haven't let it scarred over. I'm not saying it wasn't legitimate. It could be a legitimate hurt. I'm not demeaning the hurt. But there comes a point in our maturity that we have got to let the hurt scar so we can look like Jesus. And bitterness, what bitterness does and unforgiveness, it scratches off that scab and keeps the wound. It keeps it fresh to where when we get anywhere close to that area, we can't talk about it or we just, or we think about that person and we're like, I'm not saying you have to be friends with them. But I I definitely think that you shouldn't camp outside their city and hope what's worst for them. In fact, what does Jesus tell us about our enemies? He said, bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. That's hard. Like, I don't feel like doing that. Well, how about you just pray, Holy Spirit, help me forgive them right now. We'll get you the blessing part later. But it has to start somewhere. And forgiveness isn't a one-time deal. It's not. It's Jesus says, how many times should, he was questioned, how many times should I forgive in a day? Jesus said 77 times 7. That's a lot. But that's in one day. And forgiveness is a constant, God, you've forgiven me, so I forgive them. God, you've forgiven me, so I forgive them. And as you do this, how forgiveness works, one day you're going to think about that person or that situation, and you're not going to have any ill will towards it. And you're like, whoa. And you're going to be like, I'm free from that. And it's because over time of you saying, God, you've forgiven me, so I can forgive them, and I forgive them. And, you've, and, and, it, and it's not a mantra. It's, it's, a, it's a decision. I'm going to forgive them because Christ forgave me. I'm choosing not to be bitter about this anymore. I'm choosing not to be bitter about it. You, you can stay hurt, you can stay bitter, and you can stay unforgiving because you were wrong. Or you can heal, but you can't do both. You can stay hurt, you can stay bitter, you can stay unforgiving because you've been legitimately wronged. Or you can heal, but you cannot do both. You can heal, forgive, choose not to be offended. Choose not to be offended. And let let God heal you. God, it says he, he, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jonah is a man riddled with bitterness and unforgiveness. And you see how immature he is in this passage. Complete child. Just go read his dialogue. It is better for me, you know. I would rather die than sit here. Like, like what are you, five? That sounds like I'm talking to my daughter. Which I think she would give a better response than Jonah in this passage. But the, but, but the kicker is, we, we live in a society, and, and, and guys, I love you, but we're dealing with some sticky situations right now. And so just bear in mind, I, I have to preach what the Word of God says. So if you didn't bring steel-toed boots, I'm sorry. But we live in a society, and even in the church, where we look for ways to be offended. We walk around offended. 
all the time, offended about stupid things. Jonah was offended because God chose to be God and acted like God. He was offended. And I got to tell you, and I need you to hear this. If we don't grow up, put on our big boy pants, and say, God, I want what you want. I'm saying this in general as a church as a whole, okay? We're going to be really offended by God when he starts acting like God again. He never stopped acting like God. But when he starts acting like God in this place and around us. We're going to be really offended when God starts to do things and we, like, well, he didn't ask my approval. Guess what? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Jonah was offended because God was being God. And, and showing the characteristics of a loving God, because that's who he is. And God's gonna, God is doing and is going to continue to be God. And if we don't mature in our understanding of who God is, then we are going to walk around in offense a lot. And get this, Jesus says in Luke 17:1, he says, offense will surely come. It's coming. And it's here. But we have a choice whether we choose to be offended about it or not. We can choose to be offended. And I heard this once by a pastor named Robert Madu, and it's so true. He says that your, your level of offendability is directly tied to your level of maturity. So if you're easily offended, you're very immature. Mmm. Ugh. Why'd you have to say that? We live in a society that looks for a reason to be offended. And we are called to be the arbiters. We are called to, be God, to, to, to literally be Christ on earth to a dying world. Christian literally means little Christ. You might be the only Jesus that this world will ever see. And if we're walking around with a fence like Jonah And not letting things go and holding on to unforgiveness, holding on to bitterness, holding on to things. Then, let me tell you, you're going to have a really, really hard time growing in Christ. Because maturity in the kingdom does not look like maturity in the world. Maturity in the kingdom is always directly tied to the kingdom of God. It's always directly tied to our willingness to submit and our humility. You submit to God, and you walk humbly with God. That's why you can have young people that just seem to be so mature in their faith, and yet you can have older people that are just bitter old grumps, but they love Jesus. Because somewhere along the way, they did not submit something to God. They held on to something that God said, give to me, and it actually stunted their maturity. Because God, get this, the Holy Spirit wants to mature all of us. Every single one of us. And we need to know this. He's constantly working. Like I said earlier, the sun, the earth is moving 67,000 miles around the miles per hour around the sun. God is moving. But in our maturity with God, we actually get to determine the rate of our maturity. And the rate, if you want to expedite your maturity in God, submit and walk humbly. Submit everything. Every aspect of your life, continually surrender to God, and that will expedite your maturity. But if you're not willing to surrender, you're going to halt your maturity in Christ. And that's what Jonah's doing. He's not, 
He's not submitting bitterness. He's not submitting unforgiveness. He's not submitting hurt. He's not submitting offense. And let me tell you, there's a vast difference between being offended for God and being offended by what offends God. And too many Christians walk around and get offended for God. God's a big enough God that he can be offended for himself. You don't need to worry about it. What does offended for God look like? I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe... I can't believe they would dress like that. I can't... I mean, like, that, that's what offended for God. You're getting offended for God. And honestly, if you're getting offended for God, there's a disconnect between you and God. And that's rooted in self-righteousness. Suddenly, you, you're making yourself more righteous than God himself. Just to be honest... But if you get offended by what offends God, there's intimacy. That's rooted in intimacy with God. Jesus got offended in the Gospels. But guess what offended him? It was the things that offended God. He walked into the temple and saw people being cheated. And he, he got offended by the un, injustice amongst the, the religious leaders of his day. And he got offended, and he turned the tables twice. One time he formed a whip and drove them out of the temple because he was offended by what offended God. There was a, a, a righteous indignation. And then he got, he got offended by what offended God when, when, the, when the Pharisees started saying, oh, he's casting out demons by the power of demons. And he said, oh, hey, 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 I'm addressing this here and now. And he called them out on it. But he, he never had an issue with sinners. Like the church today, we get offended by sinners being sinners. No, Jesus always had an issue with religious people being religious. That's not my notes. And we can't afford, in, this, in, 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 the, in, in the United States today, we can't afford to be religious. The people have got to see God's power on display in the church and they need to see relationship and love. We can't afford to be religious. Jesus, he, he dealt with religion. And he called it out. And he said, you're wrong. And he got offended by what offended God because he was intimate with God. Jonah, he was offended by God. Being God. Because there was a disconnect between Jonah's heart and God's heart. And God will always question you when your heart does not look like his heart. Because he loves you enough not to let you sit there and fester in bitterness, unforgiveness, and offense. He's saying it's time to grow up and forgive and move forward because I want to reach this world. But it all, because guess what offense does? It makes us think about us. It makes us think we're a victim. Man, if you're walking around in a fence and you're looking for ways to get offended, you think you're a victim all the time. And you're like, oh, they did this to me. They did that to me. They did, uh, you know. And you don't even see the people that are hurting around you. But when, when we just say, okay, God, forgive me, I forgive them. I'm going to choose to be mature and not be offended. And I'm going to choose to let you be God 
and me just be obedient, then suddenly God's going to use you in ways that you can't imagine. He's going to use you to answer prayers. He's going to use you to win the lost. He's going to use you and he's going to bless people around you all because we surrender. And he's going to start maturing you. And his favor is going to be upon you. In fact, his favor is on you right now. But when we're bitter, offended, and unforgiving, we don't see it. We don't see his favor when we're like the. We don't. Jonah preached the word that God told him to preach. But he did it with bitterness and unforgiveness in his heart. And he couldn't even see the revival that was happening in front of him. Because he was looking through unforgiving eyes. I don't want anyone under the sound of my voice to miss revival. Because we can't see God working because of something in us. I don't want that to happen. I want us to grow up. To mature. It robs us. It robs us. Bitterness robs us. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. So is unforgiveness. So is offense. It kills you because it doesn't reflect the heart of God. It doesn't. There's always going to be reasons to be offended. There's always going to be reasons to be bitter. There's always going to be reasons to be unforgiving. You can't live life without it. Jesus said, surely offense will come. And it's already here. But what do we do with it? We choose to be mature and we choose to love. We choose to be mature and we choose to love. If you just flip in your Bible six chapters to the right in the book of Micah, Micah chapter 6. And it's going to be like that in every Bible, FYI. <laughs> Micah follows Jonah. There's a verse in verse 8. And it says, The Lord has told us what is right and what he demands. And he says, Seek justice is done. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern. And humbly obey your God. Seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. The, the common English translation or version, I really like how it words it. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. How do we walk in this world without being offended? How do we walk in this world by letting... Um, bitterness go and forgiveness reign in our heart see that justice is done let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God that's how you let forgiveness reign in your heart that's what God instructed his people to walk that's how he just and and when you really think about justice honestly let's break down justice for one moment because God is a God of justice but at the end of the day, what justice truly is on our part is to be a voice to those who have no voice. When Jesus, when God says, see that justice is done, he's saying, be a voice for those who have no voice. That's justice. 
That's why we have got to advocate for, for, for um, babies in the womb. They don't have a voice. And yet there's a holocaust going on in our nation. So how do we advocate for uh, um, babies in the womb? Well, we can vote for people who don't kill babies in the womb. Number one, that, that's not number one. Number one is we pray. We pray before God. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their lands. We pray. But he says, see that justice is done. Be a voice. Man, there are people, not just unborn, but there are people that are living that don't have a voice. Right now in our city, right now in your family, they don't have a voice. See that justice is done. Be a voice for them. Come before God Almighty. Lift them up. See that justice is done. God, you see. You see these people far from you. And they need you. The enemy's trying to still kill and destroy them. See that justice is done. And then he said, let mercy be your first concern. This is where jo Jonah was about the justice. <laughs> Jonah was like, 40 days, and God's going to destroy you. Justice, because of all the wrong you've done. He was defining justice through the eyes of man. But then he says, let mercy, be before justice, let mercy be your first concern. Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. So God loves us. We don't deserve God's love. He gives it freely. Mercy is God not pouring out his wrath on us even though we deserve it. That's mercy. He said, let mercy be your first concern. There are people in your life that deserve you never to talk to them, that deserve you never to even pray about them. But let mercy be your first concern. Do something for them that they don't deserve. Lord, they don't deserve my friendship, but I'm going to give it. They don't deserve my prayers, but because you've forgiven me, I forgive them. Lord, I pray that you bless them. I pray that you bless them. They don't deserve it. They don't. And, and when you really dial it back a little bit, it's really easy to put to have that attitude when you really think about what God's done for us because we don't deserve the cross we don't deserve the resurrection we don't deserve the, the, the uh, Jesus Christ we don't deserve a relationship we don't deserve any of it and yet God gives it he gives it and he gives us so much more than we could ever give out and if you're trying to give out mercy and grace out of who you are and not tapped into who he is you're going to run out real quick. But if, if, you're, if you're having this communion with God, walking humbly, he says, and, and humbly obey your God, you have that walk with God. He's going to pour his love, mercy, grace, forgiveness into you. And the overflow of that is love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness to other people. I don't want us to be like Jonah sitting on a hill waiting for fire to fall on Columbia. <laughs> I want us to be 
advocate for truth and getting out into our community, saying, I am the church of the living God, and he has empowered me to be the church of the living God, and there's people that need Jesus right now in my community, and I can be the arbiter. I can be that. I can be the, the mouth that, that leads them to the Lord. I, you can. You can. It's love God. Walk in humility. See that justice is done. Be a voice for those who have no voice. Bring them before the Lord. Let mercy be your first concern. And humbly obey your God. Humbly obey your God. Humbly obey your God. Here's the thing, guys. God has an identity for you. And how he sees you is so much greater than we could ever see ourselves. That's the truth. And I I want you to know this. When we hold on to bitterness like Jonah, and we hold on to unforgiveness, and we are easily offended, it robs us of our identity. It's not that God quits giving us identity in him. It's the fact that we don't feel qualified for it. But God says you're a son or a daughter of God. God says you're more than a conqueror. God says you are forgiven so you can forgive. God says you are free. It's not, it's not a, you will be free. You are free. He's setting you free and you will be free. That's what it is. His freedom is continuously being poured out. We don't have to be in bondage to things anymore. We don't have to walk around holding on to hurt. It takes time. I'm not saying it's a magic formula that you just give it to God. I pray That would be awesome. That, that, that would be great. But there are people dealing with legitimate hurts that it takes time. Some people even need to go to counseling. And if that's you, I would encourage you to go to counseling. But what, what can't happen is us stay in that hurt. We can't. It will literally stunt your maturity. It will literally stunt your growth. When you stay in it, God has so much more. And I I feel like every one of us, as I, I spoke today, every one of us had a different hurt, a different person, a different situation come to mind that brought up bitterness, that brought up unforgiveness, that brought up offense that we got offended over. I I promise you, you can't be human and not have that. And the question that God is asking today, is it right for you to be angry about this? Because I promise you, your excuses aren't as good as Jonah's. Jonah could have been like, God, they've murdered my people by the thousands. They've destroyed our land. They, and God still said, is it right for you to be angry about this? And that's the question. I want us just to take a moment and let God ask. And let's just take a moment and say, God, forgive me and help me forgive. It, there, there there are people that have held things for way too long and it's time it's time because God 
is doing something here. He is doing something. And we will get offended by God being God if we don't let go of it now. We'll be just like Jonah. Jonah was still a prophet of God. He was still called by God. But he was offended by God. And it's time to let go of some stuff so we can mature, so we can see God do beyond anything we ask, think, or imagine. So let's just take a moment. I, I can't make you do this. I can't. I, I can't. You know the situation that you need to bring before God. It might be multiple situations. Let's all stand. And if you would, let's come get some communion. And we're going to do something today with communion. And if you can't go get your own communion, let's be the church and let's help people out. Bring it to them if they, if they can. this is one of the things that we're bitter about. Like, I want to go back to the old brass things. But you have an opportunity to let it go right now. God, did he just say, I did. I'm serious about this, guys. I believe there's power in faith-filled declaration. And there's power. Jesus said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And what did his body go through? It went through a beating and a crucifixion to bring us healing. And so what I want us to do is I want us to declare the stripes on Jesus' back heal my body. So let's say it together. The stripes on Jesus' back heal my body. Now, I want you, there are people that you know need healing. There are people that you know need a healing in their body. I want you to call their name out and say that same thing. The stripes on Jesus' back heal their disease, heal their cancer, heal whatever it is. Let's pray for them 
for a moment as we remember the body. declaration the blood of Jesus sets me free let's say it together the blood of Jesus sets me free mm. now what it sets us free from it sets us free from hell death and the grave it sets us free from sin it sets us free from bitterness it sets us free from offense it sets us free from unforgiveness it sets us free of affliction you name it it sets you free it's, it's an all-encompassing payment for anything that comes against you. The blood of Jesus sets us free. Now, what I want us to do in this moment, because the blood of Jesus sets us free, I want us to pray blessing on the people that have hurt us. Yeah, Jesus said, bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully you. Because Jesus set you free, we're going to pray for people in the love of God. Because God's love is on us, we're going to pray for people. Let's just pray. I Just take a moment and thank Jesus. Let's thank him. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no removable of sin. Because he shed his blood, we're forgiven. We're right with God. And maybe some of us just need to say, God, forgive me. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Because you are good. We thank you for shedding your blood. We thank you, Lord, that we were enemies of God, and yet you made us children of God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that 
you are enough, that you set us free, that your blood continues to set us free. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Now let's let's take the cup. And how I want us to finish out, let's praise Jesus because he's worthy of all praise. Let's just take a moment and let's lift him up as Pastor Ben leads. people that have been carrying around, Lord, let there be a smile on their face. Let there just be joy in their heart as we lay things down at your feet. And Lord, I pray that you will just use us for your glory. Use us for your kingdom. Use us to bring about your kingdom on earth in the name of Jesus. Oh God, we praise you because of your great mercy and love for us. That you have such a father's heart you have such a father's heart to realign our heart to yours by just asking a simple question is it right for you to be angry about this and lord as we walk out of here use us bless us go before us open doors that we didn't even know we need opened and close doors that you know that we need shut in the mighty name of jesus i pray amen